The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Good morning, 11.07 on Saturday morning. It's uh, Skulls here with Dr. Lou. Pinpoint Health Show is ready, set, and go. Phone lines open. Look at that, 416 870 6400 you got health concerns pain concerns uh bring it on that's why the show is here get some answers at least ask a few questions to get to uh, get knowledge walk away a little a uh, little smarter than you were before the phone call 416-870-6400 info at pinpointhealth.ca you can simply go to pinpointhealth.ca the website as well and the long form podcast hosted by dr lou the lou down where you get your favorite podcasts you can do that sign up and uh and watch and listen to all those and lots of Great information there as well, Doctor Lou. Good morning, brother. What are we? Uh, what are we talking about first today? Good morning, John. How are you? Before we get started, good, buddy. Yeah, uh, man. Good. Doing all right. Uh, that's good. Um, so, what are we talking about today? I mean, last few weeks uh, the phone lines have been quiet. I'd love to get callers uh, calling in, and often when uh, when I put that out there, that happens. So let's start that early by uh, telling whoever's listening, give us a call. Uh, ask some questions. Let's see if uh, I'm always, I'm always, people always ask me, like, how do you know how to answer things? What if you get stumped? And, and thus far, I, I don't think I've been stumped because I, I think the biggest thing is I'm just realistic with my answers. If I don't know something, I think I've just, you know, plainly said that, that I'm not sure about the answer to that or whatever. But uh, at the very least, I can help guide people um, or see what's going on and sort of give a professional opinion. So that's definitely my my favorite part of the show so please if you're listening give us a call ask your you know pain and injury problems other health questions there's a lot you know the whole world's going through a health crisis so we might as well uh, Mm -hmm. talk about things Um, outside of that I mean I always like to start the show with some uh, you know either cases or interesting things that have happened and you know two of the more interesting things that have been going on in the last little bit um, one is, is newer that we've spoken about in the last few weeks, which is the genomic testing that I'm offering, uh, which has gotten a lot of attraction by a lot of listeners. Um, and we'll move into that in a second. But something that sort of I've seen an uptick um, and it's been around, at, you know, at the clinic for, for a while. But I guess maybe, you know, due to COVID and everything, we hadn't sp- uh, spoken about it as much as we otherwise would have. Uh, is the PRP injections and uh, the yeah. benefit of those. And so, um, you know, again, the, the PRP injection is really uh, a platelet-rich plasma injection, which means we're taking your own blood, we're taking the platelets, which are the component of blood that really help with inflammation, healing, all those things, and injecting it back into an area uh, to provide some healing effect. Now, what we're doing is we're trying to be as evidence-based as possible with these, and as of right now, we are simply sticking with PRP injections for the knees. So um, if you've got a knee knee issue, you may want to consider this. The question becomes, well, what knee issues do well with this? Um, the answer that, based on the scientific evidence and what we see clinically, seems to be that people with mild to moderate osteoarthritis, as diagnosed on x-ray, uh, that have pain uh, and inflammation often do well with these PRP injections. And that's exactly what we're doing. The other advantage that I'll say about Pinpoint Health with this type of injection is we actually have orthopedic surgeons that deal specifically with knees doing these injections. So there's a level of um, 
extra, you know, professionalism, I guess, let's, let's call it. There's not that, you know, other people that are doing these injections aren't qualified or anything like that. That's not the claim I'm trying to make. I, I'm, all I'm trying to say is that, that the people that we have doing them are, are these, this is their bread and butter. Knees is exactly what they do. So they know the knee uh, better than anyone else. And, uh, and I think it, it really provides an, another layer of efficacy when you're having it done by, by a professional like that. Um, and again, those injections uh, have shown really promising results uh, in research, again, when we're speaking about the osteoarthritis of the knee, but even clinically what we've seen. Uh, I've seen a lot of people who have come in with knee issues. We've been doing this for a few years now, um, and we've seen a lot of people that have had them and have had good outcomes. Uh, the, the outcomes aren't often an immediate relief. Uh, the injection does take uh, some time to have an effect, but you know what we see is that the effect can sometimes last even longer than 12 months um, and beyond that, which is great. And so, again, the other thing that I think people really like about the PRP injection is that this is a, a completely natural product, right? This is your own platelets being injected back into uh, your body. So when we take the example of the knee, the knee is a, a synovial joint, which doesn't have a lot of blood flow. That's, that's one of the reasons why joint problems are so much harder to treat than, say, a muscular problem, because muscles have really good supply and joints don't have uh, great blood supply. And so what this is doing is essentially injecting the component of blood um, that helps with the healing process, the platelets, back into that space to really clear out inflammation, promote the, uh, the healing process. And, and the outcome, again, is really great. And I think a lot of people... Um, are really interested, especially in the day and age that we live in now, uh, where we're always looking for more natural approaches, I guess let's call it. Uh, this is a nice marriage of, of, you know, using a minimally invasive procedure like an injection uh, with something that is as natural of a substance as you can get, right? Your own blood is, is pretty natural. So the side effects of it are, are very, very little with the exception of, you know, anytime you're doing an injection, you've always got to consider uh, infection and things like that, but this is all sterile, so we do everything possible um, to minimize that, and, and thankfully we've never had uh, anything happen like that. But, you know, that would be, uh, I guess, the biggest risk. And, and outside of that, there's not a lot of other, you know, downfall. And, you know, sometimes when I've seen people, I've said to them, sort of the worst that you can expect here is it does nothing. Um, and I try to give a realistic opinion on on whether i think it will or will not work i've had people and i think a few weeks ago i was mentioning an individual where i basically said to the person listen it's a 50 50 50 percent you know you're going to feel better and 50 percent it's not going to work just based on what i'm seeing your symptoms i i can't lean more one way than another so i'm going to give you the reality and they said yeah that's that's totally worth it for me um and so you know it may be worth it for people i i really like the injection um, for people who have that osteoarthritis that look like they're going to be getting a knee replacement in the future, and this is a nice way of buying more time. We've talked about this on, on the show a lot of times, where you want to try to do a joint replacement like a knee replacement probably once in your life. On average, they seem to last, last 15 years. So, I mean, the math is pretty simple for most people, right? If you're getting uh, a knee replacement done at 50 years old, uh, you can expect another one at 65, and, and, you know, the chances are that you'll live to 65 because life expectancy is higher than that. Um, sure. So, th th you know, you, you'd increase your chance of having it done more than once. But if you can delay this, and the longer you can delay it, the, the more likely um, you won't need it. And the other thing that happens is, you know, you can imagine that someone who's in their 50s, 
having a knee replacement is probably going to be more active overall post-operation uh, than, say, someone who's early 70s, right, just by the very nature of different points in their lives and things like that. So the mechanical piece may actually last a little bit longer in that in that later age group. And so that's an important thing to consider. Again, you know, the, the outcomes of second and third knee replacements are, are never as good as the first one. So you want to try to minimize it. And this is a, a good thing about the PRP injection. It really offers uh, an ability to buy time, decrease inflammation, improve the person's pain levels. You know, it, it may not, it's not going to do anything to change the arthritis that's in someone's knee, right? right? But most people don't care about what the picture shows uh, on x-ray. What they care about is how they feel. Uh, and that's the goal with the PRP injection is that it should eliminate enough of the inflammation that's happening as a result of that osteoarthritis for the person's symptoms to come to come down significantly. And, and if you can achieve that, then that's really what people want, right? They want to um, feel better, and that's what most people care about. You know, we just got a couple minutes, we got a break, but talk a little bit, you, you know, you mentioned the injection not being that invasive. What is the process? What are people going to do when they, you know, when they roll up a pant leg? What, uh, what are they in for with the injection? Yeah, so I mean, it, so it starts with getting your blood blood drawn first, right? right. Because we need we need the blood, which um, is typically done in the upper extremity. That'll be done uh, through it with a nurse. Um, so you you know anybody that's ever had their blood taken, that you know that's the exact same expectation. Um, then there's a specialized machine where that blood will be put in through a centrifuge, essentially where it's spun to separate the different layers of um, uh, of that. And then the companies that make the actual kits that you know, separate the, the the platelets and and allow us to or allow the surgeon to take that um, and then inject it back into the knee. The, the nice thing about the knee as well um, is it's quite a simple joint to get to from the outside, right? Like uh, uh, right. Uh, most healthcare professionals that deal with this, like a knee surgeon um, or you know physios chiros that that deal a lot with knee issues, are going to be able to feel a joint and know exactly how they can get into it. So. A lot of these injection procedures are often done under uh, fluoroscopy, which is using live x-ray or ultrasound guided. The great thing about the knee is that when you have someone like a, an orthopedic surgeon who specializes in knees, it's not really required and it doesn't actually increase the benefit because it's actually quite simple uh, gotcha. to get into the knee, which is, which is a benefit. Um, obviously, once you're doing stuff under fluoroscopy, ultrasound injection, those things become more complicated, more expensive, harder to get. Um, so this is another great thing about the way that we're doing it. We'll take a short break. Uh, phone lines are open, have been open since we started, so don't uh, hesitate to call. Not just about uh, knee problems, anything uh, is troubling you. Give Dr. Lou a call, 416-870-6400. 416-870-6400. Lots of lines open. It's 1117. Take a short break, and we'll come right back to it. Pinpoint L Show, Global News Radio. It is 11.20. Welcome back. Pinpoint Health Show on Saturday morning. It's a beauty out there. If you're doing Christmas stuff, get on it because stuff is selling quickly, I'll tell you that much. And if not, uh, you got some time to sit and listen to the rest of the show, maybe make that phone call if you have some issues bothering you. At least talk to Dr. Lou this morning and uh, either uh, get in to see him at one of the clinics or at least get down the right track of what you should be doing. 416-870-6400. 870-6400. That is the number to use. Dominic, thanks for uh, standing by for a few minutes. How are you? Uh, uh, not bad. Well, it could be better, but I'm okay, I guess. What's going on with you? Uh, my rotator cuff, I was telling the speeder. Uh, I have a tear on my left one, but uh, 
I've had these problems for years. I just want to know, like, I, I'll be 65 actually this month. I just want to know what's the best, in his opinion, the best thing to do. Or, you know, I've tried therapy before too. I mean, it helps, but for an hour, then a lot of pain. I have a lot of pain. I have trouble sleeping with it, with these two. Uh, big issue, sleeping. Anyways. Yeah. So how, how first of all, how was this diagnosed? Did you have imaging to show that? Yes, yes, yes. I've had it years ago, but then I just uh, ignored it, the pain, whatever. And then recently I've had, uh, actually I had another surgery, uh, coronary artery surgery on my neck, and it mm -hmm. made my left shoulder really bad, uh, worse when I, after the operation. Uh, so uh, uh, it just keeps, uh, right now it's really, really bad on my left side, especially really, really bad. I could barely lift my arm up. That's how bad it is. And you said you did have, like, when was the last time you had to check? Like, I know you're saying this has been going on for a long time. You did ask me, yeah, you did ask me that. Uh, last week, actually, I had a, I had a uh, what do you call it, uh, ultrasound and, yep. and the x-ray. shows tears on my left. Yeah. So, so one of the problems with, with shoulder issues and, and the reliance on that type of imaging is oftentimes it's nonspecific towards what is actually going on. So what I mean by that is a lot of times I'd have to see the imaging and see what type of tear it is. But the reality is that, you know, if we took 100 people and we ultrasound and x-ray their shoulders, we're going to find some level of anomaly. We're going to find some degenerative changes. We're going to find some tearing. It sort of is something that happens. What becomes important is determining where's the clinical significance. Now, you, okay. you did therapy, which is good. I mean, when we look at these types of issues, um, you know, there's a spectrum of things you could do. So there's the conservative stuff, which is therapy-based. Then there's minimally invasive procedures like injections and then all the way to surgery. You've got to sort of exhaust, I would say, you know, my, my view on this is always, and most people in healthcare would agree, you should try your conservative options first uh, and then move towards the more invasive options as the least conservative ones, um, either if they don't work. Um, the reality with a lot of shoulder problems is, you know, I don't know what you did for therapy, but if a lot of the therapy was just focused on passive stuff, which means something that someone else is doing to you, be it massage, putting machines on, uh, yeah. you know, poking yeah. and prodding, that type of stuff, that is yes. not the long-term uh, solution for therapy. It, 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 what really needs to happen with the shoulder issue is when people say therapy, that's, that's very passive therapy. The other part of therapy is active therapy, which means creating a strengthening program, changing posture, positioning of the whole sh shoulder girdle. That is really where a lot of the benefit is. And that takes time. That could take, you know, three to six months to see a significant difference. And that's not something you would do necessarily at a clinic. You may go to a clinic to get that given to you and then progress it and you go visit back when you have to make it more challenging, but that's stuff that you have to do every single day. And that's usually what is never done, in my opinion, or, or sort of what I've seen that people are missing. I hear a lot of people, because I always say when I say what's the spectrum of things that you can do, people will always say, well, I've already done the therapy. It's like, well, what have you done? And typically people will say, you know, I went somewhere for two or three weeks and they put a machine on me and then some heat and some ice and it didn't work and I stopped. Number one, that's not enough therapy. And number two, it's probably the wrong type of therapy. Um, it You're needs right. to be much more strengthening based. But I think even before we get to that, the one thing that I would say, and this is where I want to be a little cautious. I don't know who sent you for that ultrasound and x-ray, but I'm going to assume it was probably a family doctor, a walk-in doctor, something like that. Exactly, exactly. 
that's the wrong approach on initial visitation for a shoulder problem. A physical exam is much better than that imaging because, again, that imaging on 100 people will show very similar results that are what we would say are incidental. We found them because we took an image. That doesn't mean that's what's creating your pain. So what you really need is a good physical exam to see what's going on with the shoulder, where's the functional problem, or and, and, and then maybe, you know, a lot of the times when I see a patient, then after my physical exam, I'll say, okay, I think we need an ultrasound because now I think there's a tear that's actually significant. Um, and that's very different than just finding a tear uh, which happens, again, you, you know, there's a lot of tears that are what are called degenerative tears. They just happen as a result of getting older. You mentioned you're going to be 65. It would be very hard to find a lot of people that get to 65 and don't have degenerative changes in their bones and in their tendons. So that, that's why that stuff is usually not the right approach. You're right. I was diagnosed with DDD, the tearing this disease years ago. And yep. that's exactly what you said, exactly the way you said. And my friend, a friend of mine gave me a, like a harness like you told me, actually about a week ago, and it helped a little bit, actually. You're right about the harness, a little harness. You put it on your shoulders, and it, it, it restrains the shoulder a little bit, and it did help, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I recommended a harness at any point, but I, I get what you're saying. Well, but yeah. I would say your first step is, is you need to get that investigated by someone that looks at it a little more specifically and is a little more specialized. I'll have... Uh, someone give you a call, and if you want to see me, I'm ha- I'm happy to do that, and we can take a look at it. Dominic, appreciate your time. Appreciate you making the phone call this morning. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U is the uh, phone number. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou. Info at pinpointhealth.ca to reach out as well. But here and now, it is as you know four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Moving on down the line to uh, to Ray. Hey Ray, good morning. How are you? It's Frank, but it's okay. Um, hey, Frank, Frank Ray. You know, it's all right. What's up? I've been having, uh, I wake up with night pain and jaw pain, and I, I'm more exhausted when I wake up than I go to bed. That's been going on for 20 years. I spend thousands on pillows, mattresses. I've had dentists pull out teeth, thinking it was TMJ. I've uh, tried the guard. I've done the acupuncture. I've done the heat pads, the massages. I've done it all, and I still wake up. So much neck pain. I last control the day, then it goes down my back. My jaw's always cracking, and I'm exhausted all day from the lack of sleep I'm getting from this pain. And I don't know what to do. Yeah, I mean, that, it's a loaded, um, a loaded question, Frank. I'm not going to be able to tell you what to do, uh, you know, with something that's a 20-year history of those things. Um, you're waking up with that stuff. It's, you know, a very common issue that people have. Um, usually not to the extent that you're describing. I mean, I would say that you pro- I, need, I would need to see you, right? I'd need to, to sort of go through a more in-depth history physical exam to see what's going on, what other underlying issues uh, are oh, no, there. No, no, come back normal. My doctor's a full physical. Then, you know, he says it's, it's TMJ. So I do the TMJ. I end up chewing through the guards. So they say, let's pull out some teeth. Then one day he says, maybe it's my sleeping habit. It's, you can't ch- it's hard to change your sleeping position because you might start off one way but you wake up all twisted which i've noticed i do in the morning and yeah. it's just painful okay so then i mean so that that doesn't mean that there's nothing wrong like i i don't know exactly what your doctor's done to me these types of things are often functional issues which means there's got to be something there you 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 know your blood work might otherwise be normal some imaging might look overall normal but that doesn't mean that there's not an underlying 
imbalance of muscles, joints, things like that. Um, even a TMJ problem, a neck issue, it could be posture-related uh, things you do throughout your life. It could be posture while you sleep. And, you know, as much as you're saying it's hard to change your sleep, um, that's true, but there are ways to do that if that is the underlying cause. Um, and so, uh, it, you know, that's, again, where it takes a lot of effort oftentimes on the part of the individual that's suffering with these things um, in order to, to make those changes. So there could be a lot of things there. I, I, again, I would have to... Um, you know, take a closer look to see exactly what's going on uh, in terms of a, a recommendation. I don't think I could give you any pointers, you know, just off of what you've said here on the radio. All right. And just one last thing. How do you change it? What's a good tip to maybe change your sleeping position? Well, it depends what you need to change your sleeping position to I and how you stomach. sleep. On my yeah, stomach. So, you know, one, like just as an example, one good option uh, is, you know, you could you could sort of put a ball on the chest um, and then that way if you did roll over it would be very uncomfortable and uh, you, there's special tools for this you wouldn't just slap a ball on but there's special types of belts and things like that that you could use so that if you roll onto your stomach I mean if you're sleeping on your stomach it, it, you're going to have neck pain and jaw pain for sure so uh, you know and I could tell you that it's not impossible to change that habit because I used to sleep on my stomach and I've, I've changed to being a side sleeper so it just is really determination to achieve something oftentimes on the individual that, that can really, you know, be pretty uh, miraculous. So, uh, um, yeah, that, that would be my opinion. Frank, appreciate your time, my brother. We're going to let you go. You want to reach out now, you can do so. I'm going to give you the number again, one eight five 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 doctor Lou to reach out. You want to have a further conversation, that is the way. We'll get in one more call here before we break, but we still got lots of time if you're thinking of uh, grabbing a phone. Tony, thanks for hanging on. How are you? I am fine, thank you. What's, I have, what's going on? I have... Uh... A large-ish, I don't know how large it is, Baker cyst in my left knee that happened after I had, uh, about um, two years after I had arthroscopic on the knee uh, to repair tears, etc. And I have a very small one in the right knee. Now, the flexing of the left knee is limited, I don't know, to maybe 120 degrees from straight on uh, before it starts to pain. Uh, the right one, I don't have a problem flexing it, but I have arthritis in both knees, and they can be very painful at times, uh, making it difficult for me to get moving. The therapy that you mentioned with blood and, and injections and so on, would that help my pain in my knees? That's what I would like to know. Yeah, p potentially. I can't. I, obviously, I can't make that definitive recommendation without seeing you and speaking to you further. Uh, but I, I could say in general, yes, right? So what those injections are very much designed for are for people who have osteoarthritis of the knee um, that's creating swelling, which is often what creates the Baker cyst, is, is often just inflammation that happens that leaks out of the knee and forms a cyst at the back of, of the leg. Um, so, yeah, it potentially is something that, you know, you could consider. Uh, I'd have to, you know, investigate a little bit further to know more about your overall uh, case, but yeah, th this is exactly what those types of injections are for. Okay, now the next question is: I I am seventy years old. I'm a senior. I am on a limited income. Is this procedure covered by OHIP? No, PRP injections are not covered by OHIP. So what would I look? What would I be looking at in terms of costs? Just to give me a heads up. 
Yeah, generally it, it depends. Um, in terms of they're not cheap somewhere it depends on where you go for these types of things we're not the only place that does these but you know i'd say in and around the range of a thousand dollars um is usually the price of the injection well that might be yeah. a little bit that that might be a little bit too steep for my pocket <laughs> but but it might very well work right now i'm willing to try almost anything exactly okay. Yeah, exactly. Tony, appreciate the call. You want to reach out further and have a further discussion with Dr. Lou? Sure, one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. But here and now, you still got to well, lots of time. It's only eleven thirty four. That would be four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. And we're back, and welcome to it. It's uh, 11.37, still plenty of time for you to grab a phone like our previous callers and start getting some answers from uh, from Dr. Lou. It's 416-870-6400 to reach out uh, after the show. Info at pinpointhealth.ca. You can simply go to pinpointhealth.ca, the website, for more info, and to call Dr. Lou. That number, to have a further conversation, one 855 Five five D R L O U Doctor Lou, just that simple. Oh, and the uh, long form podcast series, which is great, can be found. The Lou Down is what you're going to be searching when you get to your favorite podcast uh, place to uh, consume all that. So the uh, genome test, I think it's, I think it referred to as genome testing, or am I a little off in that one? But this is really yeah, cool. We've talked about genomics. this a couple times, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. So I mean, it's a great, like a lot of interest in the last few weeks when I've been speaking about it. I've got a lot of calls on people who are looking for a more in-depth look into um, into who they are, right? And that's yeah. really what it is. So just to preface this, because I've gotten a few calls, this is not like an ancestry test. This isn't about, you know, you're this percent European and this percent yeah. African and what it's not that, right? What it's looking at is specific genetics um, that overall will give us a picture of who you are in terms of what, might be the right thing for you, the wrong thing for you. Um, uh, and I'm actually just pulling it up uh, in front of me. That way I can sort of give you, everyone a little bit more in depth um, uh, in terms of w- what we can expect out of it, because there's a couple of different uh, levels that it, it will look into this, uh, this genomic testing. So one of the areas that it will look into is mood and behavior, right? So the different genes that overall can contribute to your uh, mood and your behavior, right? So this is your mental health uh, sort of report. And, uh, you know, this will look at, say, things like, you know, the enzymes that are required for, say, something like dopamine, which is, uh, you know, hormone that's required that makes people feel good. And so anyways, not to get into the specifics of all this, because it's a little bit heavy for, for radio and it's a little bit boring to just go into the specifics of this. But really what it does do is it gives you a picture of, of sort of where you might have optimal genetics for certain things and where you may have suboptimal genetics. And then, you know, that is really the concern in terms of what is it that you could potentially do. So I've given the example from the beginning. So I I spoke about mood and behavior. Then it goes into, you know, cardiovascular, uh, your overall metabolic reward and and things like that. But I gave the example of me because I can talk about myself uh, uh, versus I probably shouldn't talk about others. But a good example with me is, I mentioned that, you know, I have a family history of type 2 diabetes that, that runs through my family. So all of my uncles, my dad, um, it, it, you know, essentially was what, you know, killed all of them uh, in, in one way or another. So for me, it was always this thing where it's like, you know, no matter what I do, I try to be healthy. I try to limit the, 
the sugars and things like that as much as possible, especially being of Italian background, pastas, breads. Uh, I essentially have cut that all out. Um, and But, you know, even though I would do those things, I exercise in my head, I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm still doomed, right? Because if I've got the genetics, uh, then, you right. know, I'm, I'll probably get diabetes, right? There's not, not much I can do or I can try to delay it as much as possible. Well, you know, the great thing about having this genetic testing for me was I was actually able to find out that my ability to process uh, glucose and my risk for type 2 diabetes is actually my genetic profile. It's the lowest that I can get. So I'm actually... Uh, you know, based on a genetic profile, not likely to get it. Now, that may come more from my mom's side or whatever, and that's great for me to know. Now, that doesn't mean all of a sudden I'm going to go back to eating breads and pastas because type 2 diabetes is very much a lifestyle uh, thing, and if you overdo that, then you will get type 2 diabetes no matter what um, your, uh, you know, genetics are. But what this did do for me is it sort of, you know, ingrained the fact that, okay, all of this stuff that I'm doing, it, you know, it's going to benefit me because I now don't have the genetics. I'm doing the right lifestyle choices. Um, and so in doing that, I feel more secure in that approach. And then, you know, we went on further in my genetic profile. I'm at a higher risk of, of, of things like stroke and uh, heart attack just based on my uh, ability to co coagulate, which is your blood when it clots and things like that. And again, that sort of made sense to me because on my mom's side, there's actually a higher risk of those things, um, people that have died of stroke and heart attacks and things like that. So, you know, that now gives me something in terms of, okay, well, even from a physical activity perspective, what I take from that is, you know, I should be focused more on aerobic type of activity like, you know, running, jogging, elliptical, cycling, right. all those things, because that's going to be more beneficial versus, you know, being a typical guy and wanting to be more on the weight training side. Well, if I now know that those, that's my increase because on the cardiovascular side, I can focus more on the aerobic stuff. Um, I was also able to find out that, uh, you know, lactose is not something that does well with my body, even though I've never had a problem with lactose. It's not like I'm lactose intolerant or whatever, but turns out genetically it's not some, something excuse me that is ideal for me so I've cut it out and that's decreased bloating it's made me feel better um, other examples are you know we always wonder in terms of there's a whole plethora of vitamins and things out there that we should or should not be taking and it's always so hard to know and it can get expensive uh, and you know people will try to say well maybe I'll just do a general multivitamin or whatever it is um, again, one of the things, like an interesting thing that I was able to find in my genetic profile was my ability um, to uh, use B12 um, was suboptimal. So now I actually supplement with a B12 because it will overall mean that if I'm suboptimal in my ability to process it through foods, I may be in a deficiency. So it's narrowed me down, right, where I don't have to play a guessing game and say, oh, you know, I'll just take every vitamin out there because if I'm otherwise fine in, in most of them and, uh, you know, there's some type of uh, genetic uh, predisposition or a problem that I'm able to identify. So these are just some of the small things that I've been able to, to change, which is great. Um, one of the things that I've said to patients is, you know, none of this stuff was it may not necessarily change your prognosis. Like I've had a few people call me and say, like, you you know, I've got this problem, you, you right. know, like say the example of I've got type 2 diabetes and I want to know if I have the genetics for that. It's like, well, 
whether you do or you don't, the reality is you've got type 2 diabetes, right? So, so it may, th this is where I'm using my clinical judgment to say, and again, I don't treat diabetes, I don't treat heart disease or any of that stuff. This is more something that is, if you're of interest in figuring it out, but I do try to help guide people. And what I've said to them is like, well, whether you find out if you have the genetics or you don't, the reality is if you do have diabetes, then your effort should actually be on taking care of yourself right now. So this may not provide any gotcha. added value to you and it may not be something that you need, right? So, so I think sometimes people want to know, like in that sense, like it's like, hey, I have diabetes and I want to know if I have the genetics for it. And that's fine. You could do mm -hmm. that if, if you want. You're allowed to do whatever you want with your health. But the reality is that may not change the prognosis, right? It's not like all of a sudden we're going to say, well, you don't actually have the genetics. Well, that doesn't mean you don't have diabetes. You do, right? We can still develop things if we don't have the genetic predisposition uh, for them. I want to continue this conversation, talk about costs and how it works, how we get a hold of it. Uh, in the meantime, you want to call Dr. Lou for that or any other issue, do so, 416-870-6400, Pinpoint Health Show, right here, Global News Radio. And welcome back uh, to the show, Pinpoint Health Show, reaching out when we're done to uh, get a hold of Dr. Lou. Real simple, here's how that happens, one 855 55 Dr. Lou, D R L O U. Pretty simple. Info at pinpointhealth.ca. Drop an email across and check out the podcast, Lou, down as well. We're talking about this so whole genome testing. It's a really cool thing. And like you said, if you've already got some, some issues you're dealing with, well, then maybe you're putting the horse, uh, you know, way in front of the cart, but that's okay. It can tell you a lot of things you didn't know about yourself. I would imagine this would be really interesting for people. As far as possible genetic diseases, maybe a key on how to maybe lose some weight, maybe a dietary thing, maybe some allergies in part of their diet. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm totally lining up to get this done. What, uh, what do you think about it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's where there's a lot of insight, right? And one of the reasons why, so just to, to go back here a second, because, you know, we're talking about diabetes and cardiovascular health. And again, I want to make it clear. I don't treat those things, right? I'm not, I, I'm not a cardiologist. I'm not an endocrinologist. I'm not treating those things. The reason why I decided to include this, and mainly where what I deal with is pain, injury, chronic pain, those types of things, where this is important is this gives you, you know, you cannot treat somebody's pain without looking at their overall health. Okay, and this is a lot of the times when we're trying to get people who are saying something like chronic pain and we're trying to get them back to living more pain free life and all these things. We can't just exclude their overall health and all of these things. Right. And so understanding this type of stuff and there's even stuff within the report that looks at the ability of of methylation, which has to do uh, with biochemistry of the body and what that means for certain processes and whether some things may be pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory, that's all going to matter towards someone's pain levels, right? This, this may not be like, you know, if you've rolled your ankle, this is not necessarily the solution, yeah. right? Because, you know, we know the solution. We're going to take care of your ankle and, you know, you're going to support it. And, but, but there are a lot of people in there that are dealing with chronic pain and injury issues, and they're not getting anywhere, right? And we've actually had some of those calls today where people are saying, like, you know, I, I, I've got this problem. It's been going on forever. I've tried a million things, and there's nothing there. There may be something there genetically that we just didn't know, and that's why there, a more in-depth uh, look at the genetics is something that we've incorporated. Now, in the event that we see something else that you know needs the attention, the, the great thing about this report is it's yours to keep, right? So uh, if you see something there from a cardiovascular standpoint, you're going to want to take that to your family doctor and to your cardiologist and 
and and and you know maybe get that looked at and all those things. But yeah, absolutely. Like even going from a purely um, sort of holistic perspective, John, like you're saying, this may be a reason why a lot of people struggle uh, with weight loss and things like that. And and just understanding what sort of um, nutrients your body needs and what really where you might be deficient could help figure those things out. As I said, even with activity, like as we look at the genetic makeup of somebody, we can see, okay, should somebody be focused more on resistance type of training? Should someone have a more focus on an aerobic type of training, like I said with me? And so that could provide a lot of layers in terms of understanding, okay, what what is that person doing wrong? And so many people go through the struggle of trial and error with different diets, different exercise programs. And, you know, not not that that's a bad thing, but at the end of the day, it can become frustrating and it leads a lot of people to give up. The nice thing about this is it's sort of a way of looking at it and saying, no, hang on, this isn't a guessing game anymore. We know what your genetic makeup is. We know that this might be more beneficial for you. And so do this and stick with this. Uh, and if you stick with this, then you'll eventually start to see the results of that. Um, and, that's, and that's really the advantage uh, of, of this. I do genuinely believe that this is the way of the future in terms of understanding uh, uh, someone's genetic makeup in order to, to look at their overall health and wellness. Uh, you know, we are so ingrained to, you know, we've used the example today even just of, you know, imaging right well there's so many things are incidental on an imaging report right like again we could take a hundred people and x-ray their low back and probably 50 or 60 percent of them are going to have degenerative changes or degenerative disc disease and not the same 50 or 60 percent is going to have pain so there's got to be more as to why our bodies some people are predisposed to pain and why others are not so this gives an, a more in-depth look and so many of the other blood tests that we have our indicators, like, you know, if we send somebody for an inflammatory panel, we're just looking to see if inflammation is present. That's really more of a yes or no than anything, right? It's like, yeah, there's inflammation present. Okay, we know that. But that doesn't tell us, well, why is your body inflaming? Like, what is going on that may be creating this inflammatory state? And so a good example, like, again, going back to me, where I have at different points in my life had Um, inflammation as indicated on blood work that I couldn't really have any rhyme or reason to say, well, why am I getting that, right? Like, why do I have this inflammation? Then I've now figured out the whole lactose thing. Lactose is not something I've ever eliminated from my diet. Also because it never bothered me, right? It wasn't like, you know, when someone's lactose intolerant, they know and so it bothers them and they just don't use it. I'm not lactose intolerant. What this is, this is different. This is just showing that lactose doesn't react well with my body. And perhaps that's what was contributing to inflammatory levels in my body that I couldn't explain. Now, that's what I'm trying to test right now on myself. Like, I'm going through a period of trying this and seeing um, if there's an effect. Another thing that's interesting with me is I've always had very high iron levels, which is, again, another indicator of inflammation in the body. There's, I've been investigated, you know, up, down, every which way to figure out, well, where's this high iron coming from? Now that I've done this and I've been doing it for a few months and I've eliminated lactose, and because I understand my genetic profile, I want to see what happens. Does my iron level all of a sudden normalize? I don't know. Maybe it doesn't, right? And maybe there's something more in depth there, but I'm definitely going to keep everyone uh, tuned to. But my suspicion is that I think it will. I think probably what was happening with me was that the dairy products 
we're creating an, mm. a pro-inflammatory state for my body. And the other thing that we don't know is what's the long-term consequence of that, right? Like I know in right. the short term, it means I've got aches and pains, but does that mean something more in the future? I don't know. And I don't want to speculate. Like I, I try not to be someone who speculates about these things and tries to scare people. But, you know, I, I if it's creating inflammation, it's maybe not good. And if it's not good in the short term, it's probably not good at all in the long term. So eliminating that is probably a good idea. Just, you know, the last, we got about a minute here to go. What is the approximate cost of this? Not, that, I mean, to me, it sounds absolutely priceless. I'm doing it regardless. But what are people looking at? Yeah, so the test, uh, the company that we use charges $550 to run the cool. test. The test is a, it's a saliva-based test. Um, you essentially will receive a package. You will follow the instructions to, with the saliva. That will be sent away to actually McGill University at a lab there well, they, where they will look at your genomic profile. Everything is completely safe. Um, and then there will be a report created, and then we'll go through that report together. That's uh, after I've referred you for it. We can go through it together um, and sort of see where can we do things to help your overall health uh, as it potentially relates to pain, injury. And again, if there's something else there, I'll make the necessary referral if we see something that's not something that I'm going to be dealing with. And we are done for the day. Reach out because it sounds fantastic. And uh, let Dr. Lou take care of it, put you down the, the right direction. If we're getting that and so much more done, one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, info at pinpointhealth.ca. And check out the Lou down the long-form podcast as well. We'll catch you next weekend on the Pinpoint Health Show on Global News Radio. The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.